Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and i am at the community today for forge that is the family organizations recruiting great employees the acronym forge and i'm in a room up here rhino full of all kinds of potential i think uh, workers in the future that are looking to expand their skills but we'll be guiding you through the day with facts fodder and fine music on this hump day rhino safe and sound back in the super talk headquarters studio uh last night rhino i attended a uh, a very cool event out there at Antioch in a political event out in Rankin County. It's a place where many are held. The governor sponsored it and treated us all to catfish and hush puppies and french fries. You know, a Mississippi delicacy staple for sure. And uh, had a good time. Big crowd. The governor spoke. Public Service Commissioner Brett Bailey spoke. Supervisor Steve Gaines, I know a regular listener to the program. He's a Rankin County Supervisor running for re-election. He also addressed the rather large crowd, as did candidate for Mississippi House of Representatives Celeste Hurst. Includes uh, much of Rankin County and a sliver of Madison County as well. She is, of course, the wife of Mike Hurst former U.S. attorney, been on the program many times. Great event. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> and so, Rhino, I happened to uh, just post a simple photo of myself and the governor. We had a good chat talking about uh, some economic development efforts that he's working on along with uh, Mississippi Development Authority. And, of course, you guys know I'm honored to serve on the Madison County Economic Development Authority. We've got some big deals cooking as well. We're pretty excited about it. The governor is involved in those, and we appreciate his participation. And I simply posted that uh, the choice is clear. Conservative leadership that has brought Mississippi success or a Democrat agenda, which would be, of course, what we could expect should Brandon Presley be elected because he's received a bunch of money. He's been bankrolled, essentially, by coastal liberal elites, and they're going to be looking for a payback. That's the way it works in politics. And, uh, man, Rhino, have I ignited the trolls on, on um, Twitter. Just incredible. Some of the responses that uh, I've seen 
to this stuff. People are crazy, no doubt about it. And um, I, I'm not exactly sure what to think about it, but uh, people have um, suggested that uh, that I am a crony capitalist. <laughs> uh, and of course, I simply say, um, okay, what does that mean exactly? Can you provide examples of where I have engaged in so-called crony capitalism? What does that mean? And so the first person says is somebody named Slim Smith. You know Slim, don't you, Rhino? He's a you piece of work that isn't worth the time of day. I wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire and I had just swallowed gasoline. <laughs> Well, here's what he said. Now, I know you're going to not be shocked at this comment from uh, Smith. Tell me you have never sat down with Brandon Presley for 15 minutes without saying you have never sat down with him. Presley is his own man and has a genuine desire to get things done for average Mississippians, not millionaires like you. Well, let's be clear, uh, Slim. I have sat down with Mr. Presley. I have interviewed him in the Element Well studio, as a matter of fact, back at Supertalk headquarters. He was scheduled, you guys remember, to appear on middays while we were hosting Wednesday and Thursday at the Neshoba County Fair this past year. Of course, the fair in advance of statewide elections is always a huge event. And you can always expect that virtually all the candidates, certainly for statewide uh, offices, are going to speak at the fair, as they did this year on Wednesday and Thursday. The fair folks divide that up. Who speaks Wednesday? Who speaks Thursday? Well, it happened this year that Wednesday was the day when candidates for lieutenant governor spoke. And Thursday, the fair allowed scheduled candidates for governor to speak. Well... Our content director scheduled uh, most, if not all, of those candidates, as I recall, Rhino, for Wednesday and Thursday. It was a full slate of interviews, and we had Brandon Presley was scheduled in advance to appear on this program, hosted, broadcast live from the Neshoba County Fair, Founder Square. He spoke on Thursday, was scheduled prior to appear on the show after he addressed the crowd. On Wednesday evening, around 9 o'clock or so, he canceled. Without any other warning, very abruptly, simply stating that he would not engage in one-on-one -on -one interviews with the media. However, he has. He has engaged in such interviews. But he declined to come on this program. So, Mr. Smith, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You have no idea. Let me say something else. Well, Slim was probably already drunk. He does have a problem. Uh, well, it just kind of looks like it, honestly. So I, I replied exactly what I told you, what I just told the audience here, uh, to um, his assertion out on social media. So the bottom line is, he won't sit down and have a conversation with me. And the invitation is still open, but we're not going to go chase him. I can tell you that. He had a chance. He declined. If he wants to come on, give us a call. 
he's welcome to come on. Now, folks that listen to this program regularly know it would be a fair and informative interview. We would talk about his plans, his vision, his policy positions, and we'd have an engaging, I believe, an enlightening discussion about those. But to just jump out there and say you won't sit down and talk to him is just patently false. Patently false. Something else I guess I should point out in, in framing me as a millionaire, that's fine. So do you object to self-made wealth creation? Are you a socialist like Presley? I'm damn, damn proud of my success, and I shall not apologize for it. Nothing. The only advantage I had in life, honestly, in starting my company and in building value was that I was blessed to be born to fantastic, loving parents. I fully admit that. If you want to call that privilege, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I admit I was blessed in that regard. My parents were fantastic. They were wonderful. I miss them every single day. Did they provide proper mentorship, guidance, a stable home life, even though very little money, by the way, folks? Even though these idiots think that I was just born into it. I don't care. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Go check my house out there where I grew up. 4470 Maryland Drive, Jackson, Mississippi. Go take a look at it. You tell me that's being born to a silver spoon. You got nothing on me there, Slim, or Mr. Presley and his, you know, I grew up poor in Nettleton. So did I, West Jackson. West Jackson. Looks like a dang war zone today because Democrats have ruined it. It saddens me. It's ridiculous. But, but that's just par for the course with these people. Someone named Sailor Michael says, this is disingenuine, disingenuous at best. None of the policies Presley is advocating for screams a socialist or socialism. How about you sit and talk with him? Once again, I offer that. Secondly, he's a Democrat. He's accepted millions. Speaking about millionaires, he's accepted millions from millionaires who were dyed-in-the-wool, central planning, big government, liberal elite socialist and they will expect something in return and Mr. Presley has described himself you remember it Rhino as an FDR populist what the hell do you think FDR was he was a big government socialist that's exactly what he was we're stepping aside for a break right here we're in the element wealth studio at the community for the Forge event, family organizations recruiting great employees. It's a group of community-minded small businesses working alongside educators to recruit talented, skilled employees. And I'm seeing a bunch of these future employees here at the community. Good-looking group here today. Christy Holbrook, co-owner and president, Graham Roofing and founder of Forge, um, um, one of the founders, and also Haley Quatrevink, sales and marketing coordinator, Waters International Trucks, up next. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert. Super Talk Mississippi. 
University up around Columbus and Starkville, Mississippi. We're here for FORGE, F-O-R-G-E. That is an acronym that stands for Family Organizations Recruiting Great Employees. We're pleased to welcome now Christy Holbrook, co-owner and president, Graham Roofing, and founding member of FORGE, and Haley Quatrevent, sales and marketing coordinator with Waters International Trucks. Ladies, thanks for coming on. So, uh, first, Christy, describe to our audience exactly what FORGE is about and what, what was the catalyst? What was the inspiration to create the organization? I think we were all um, going into schools and talking about trades and what our individual businesses did and decided to get together and see what we could do as a group. So, um, you know, it, it is our goal to uh, recruit kids and to let them know that there is another path um, pathway out there. So um, we all have really good careers in the trades, construction, truck driving, and um, want the kids in Mississippi to realize that we have great jobs right here in our area. Absolutely. So, so Haley, uh, we, we got a room full of uh, prospective future employees in front of us right now. And it looks like they're getting a taste what uh, all what all these various occupations are about. What a great venue to, to host that and showcase that. Tell us about that. Well, as students come through, we're asking them if they already have any current interests and trying to help them match careers with that. So we've got lots of students that have been strong in science or math, and we're talking about technical careers and how they can work on diesel engines and put all those skills to work. Or they can go the truck driving path and really they go to school for six months, they receive a grant so they don't owe any money to pay it back, and they're working three times faster than their classmates and making three times as much money. So there's some great opportunities in the trucking industry and in others. Gotcha. So a couple of folks have uh, heard the sound of the crashing uh, two-by-four blocks over there. What's that all about? They're like uh, putting a puzzle together, stacking them up there. It is actually a large Jenga set that they can okay. um, stack up and build and see how long it lasts before it falls <laughs> down. They also have a Lego set that they're building um, something that. with over here. So. Giant Legos. It is a giant Lego. <laughs> they're just encouraging those STEM careers and getting yeah. them thinking about problem solving, which is exactly what you would do under a diesel engine, for example. I got you. Excellent. So, our, our, uh, so tell us about the other members. Uh, Christy of Forge, or most of them from around uh, the, the region here? They are. I think um, everybody is around the Columbus area, Columbus, Starkville, West Point, um, except maybe Geno Supply is out of Tupelo, but they service our area. So um, we've got Waters Truck and Tractor, just to name a few, Burns Dirt Construction, APAC, Graham Roofing, West Brothers Construction, McCrary West, Neil Schaefer and Associates. Um, Phillips Contracting, GNO Supply, Burks Mordecai. Yeah, great all great companies. Yes, so, brick. Yeah, so so Haley, 
does does Forge work directly with uh, East Mississippi Community College, Mississippi State, other community colleges across the state? Well, the design with Forge is really to feed into that workforce pipeline. So yep. we are, especially with this age, we're at eighth grade. They're just approaching the time to start making life decisions and getting on their career path. So we are planting that seed and then working with the programs that are available in our area to help them find that path. So today I can encourage them by telling them, for example, about the truck driving program or the automotive program, all those different things and really help them hone in on the local programs that are available. And we're pretty excited because they're about to start a construction, two-year construction yes. program here that we just are trying to launch. So that's exciting. And the lineman program is coming up and that's all in combination with the CDL program that they've just uh, turned into college credit. Awesome. So, uh, for both of you, start with you, Christy. What's the what's the job market looking like out there? I know it's been quite tight. You know, COVID kind of turned that all upside down. I'm hearing from people that it's starting to stabilize somewhat. What's your experience? We're still struggling to find employees and to keep them is the key. Um, there's all. A lot of come and go in the younger generation where I'm used to employees that have been with me 30 and 40 years and they're dedicated to gray roofing. Um, finding someone to replace that and have that loyalty has been a little difficult. So we're trying to come up with creative ways to show the younger generation, you know, what it's like to work for a company for a long time and retire there. Yeah. Uh, and what about you? I think it, one of the best ways we've found to speak to this age is really break down, for example, what a diesel mechanic might make hourly. So you can compare, you know, you start out at $20 an hour in a diesel tech job your very first year to your friend who's over at TJ Maxx making $10 an hour. So they'll work five hours to pay for their Air Force Ones while their friend is over there working 10 hours. And speaking to them in those terms when they're young really helps break down salary and what that can look like long term. Yeah. What about some of the other employers that are a member or members of the Forge group? What do you hear from them? Are they expressing the same sort of situation that they're still looking for people, unable to fill their staff out fully? I think it's a struggle for all of us. I know um, Burns Dirt Construction has come up with some creative ways to get some of the younger um, generation into the dirt business, and, and it's fun to hear what they have to, what they're saying, and what they're doing. So. Um, we all talk and compare notes and try to get ideas from each other on you know, how, how we can recruit this next generation. It's inter interesting uh, your comment about just employee retention. Uh, Haley, why do you think that the, the newer generations are just less inclined to, to stay around at a company for an extended period of time? What's well, going on there? I think that some of the newer, the younger generation is just so unsure because they've either not been exposed to any career options or they've been exposed to way too many, depending on which events they've participated in and which school district they're in. So really helping them hone in on that. If we can start early, they're less likely to abandon their position later. I see. So is there anything you're doing necessarily um, Christy, to kind of mitigate that, combat that, you said something about the, uh, one of the companies is doing some innovative, creative things that they've introduced. Uh, anything you guys are doing to try to retain these employees? Working on some things. Um, I just launched a mental health program, which is big right now, um, where you know I am letting our people know that there is 
help out there for mental health. I think we have a lot of that going on right now. I myself have been trained in um, mental health first aid. And I think um, just recently putting that out there has been eye-opening for some of our people. And the fact that, oh, we really do care and we are a good company. So just little things, but we are working on a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah. How, how much does that affect, uh, Haley, your, your company's uh, business decisions to grow and expand the company when you're, when you're concerned about being able to find uh, workers and labor? Well, for just to example, accommodate that expansion. Yes, we recently expanded to Tupelo, so we now have a location up there, and they came ready-made with their own really strong service team. So it's all about what leadership you have in place, what kind of team mentality is being passed down from management. And I see our branches that have a stronger team mentality retaining employees better. So accommodating their needs, making them feel like family, making sure they're aware of all the things our company has to offer are all good strategies to help retain. But we have had to be very creative in that. Have you found, uh, Christy, that uh, you've had to increase compensation, pay, and benefits in the overall package just to compete uh, for the pool of employees that everybody's competing for? Uh, yes, we've had to increase salaries a good bit, but we also found that our younger employees are not that interested in the benefits such as 401k and health insurance, so we're now trying to get creative with that yeah. and figure that piece out. So it's all interesting and changing, and we're just trying to keep up. Yeah. And are you finding that uh, your competitors and just, or it may not even be competitors, but other companies and in other industries that are competing for the same workforce, they do the same? Is that I your experience? I think so. I think so. How about you, uh, Haley? Going back to that team mentality, you, it, when, when your team doesn't feel like they work well together, you're likely to lose your employee to the guy down the street offering a quarter more per hour. But if you can keep that feeling like they have job satisfaction and are part of that family, they're more likely to stay. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, really appreciate uh, you guys joining us today. It looks like it's a fantastic event with lots of uh, participation. As the 8th grade students walk through the Forge Expo today, they'll be able to participate in hands-on skills as well as experience the latest in tools, equipment, and technology. We're in the Element Well studio today at the Community for the Big Forge event. We're coming right back with more. Stay with us. the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. Once again, we're live from the Community University. 
in the Columbus Starkville Golden Triangle area. We're here for Forge. That's family organizations recruiting great employees. Skills observed and experienced at the Forge Expo are taught in Mississippi High School and Community College career and technical programs. So the idea is to expose these young folks to the myriad of job opportunities, particularly in the trades and uh, kind of whet their appetite and see if they have some interest in pursuing such occupations once they've graduated from high school or even community college. And there's a bunch of them here today. I saw the buses uh, flowing in when I turned into the parking lot. Had to yield to that. And they're all wearing uh, Rhino Bright Neon Yellow T-shirts with a big Forge logo uh, on the, imprinted on the front. And they also have a backpack with a Forge logo on it as well. And folks, that noise you hear, again, are these two before blocks. They're about a foot uh, long. And um, they're, they're assembling like a little puzzle with them, sort of like stacking dominoes. And they get to a certain point, and they just fall apart and fall to the concrete floor and that is the noise you hear in the background it just happens to be about 15 to 20 feet away from the element wealth uh, studio here set up in the community the main expo hall uh, it looks like they're assembling now and taking some additional tours so nobody is stacking the blocks right now we'll get a little respite from that uh, Randy in Starkville says he's probably into his second fifth by now. 10.30 a.m. Yep, a classy guy. And that is in reference to, what's your name, Rhino? Slim Smith? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, man, just are, are, uh, started the trolling. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the march of trolls has continued on my very simple post. It's incredible. These are just... It's another example, is it not, Rhino, of just this perpetually aggrieved left. And, you know, they have such disdain for success, such, such resentment and envy. It absolutely comes out from these leftists. And you're just a bad guy. You're the boogeyman. And, uh, and always try to paint you accordingly. And without really knowing, having a clue, without knowing anything about your background, anything about your your resume, they just immediately jump to that conclusion. One of these fools says, "There's no such thing as self-made. That's opposed to the core American promise opportunity." <laughs> and I replied, "Ah, yes, the old Barack Obama. You didn't build that nonsense. That just..." That just emanates from that, that comment. One person said self-mule jail. Do you know who that is? person that, that uh, goes by mule jail on Twitter. Self-made wealth creation. Self-licking ice cream cone. Oh, what they're so mean? clever. <laughs> oh, man. They've got an IQ lower than the average temperature, and they're so clever. <laughs> <laughs> this is another person said I was a toxic effing loser. 
Uh, socialists, really, I do wish conservatives would have honest discussions rather than throw out buzzwords and scare tactics. You can disagree with Presley, but to say he's a socialist is just a straight-up lie. He's a Democrat. That's rich coming from a leftist. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Uh, it's just incredible. So what they're missing here is... A functioning okay, brain? Mr. At, at a Any minimum, sense of shame? At a, at a minimum. Uh, what they're missing here is that Mr. Presley is a Democrat. Mr. Presley has accepted lots of money from socialist Democrats. By the way, socialist Democrats, they are among those who have, have supported Hamas' attack on Israel and uh, evidently condone their barbarism, beheading babies, raping women, uh, other acts of brutality. Uh, among those that took to the streets and have, have showed their support for these terrorists <coughs> are the Democrat Socialists, which pretty much describes, what, about a third to a half of those in Congress that are Democrats from a political party affiliation perspective are also members of that organization. So you can talk about Mr. Presley all day long who describes himself as an FDR populist, which is in my view an indication that he also aligns with socialist policy. How could anybody logically look at FDR and say he was not a socialist. Uh, that he, he he favored big government. He favored more government control, the largesse of government, more planning by by the central figures in Washington. That's what I describe as a socialist. <clears throat> I I would be happy to to quiz Mr. Presley about these ideas, these concepts, and his position on them, but he won't come on the program. I'd be happy to have that discussion. Now, someone said, Gerard, you're reasonable. Don't use such rhetoric. Cutting grocery taxes and advocating against fraud are certainly not socialist ideas. Expanding Medicaid is a national policy that would benefit Mississippi. Change that law at the national level if you don't like it. Well, there's a lot that uh, is left out of, of that discussion. First, I've never said that I'm opposed to cutting the grocery tax. Uh, what or, or the price of car tags. I've simply stated that once you do that, you can forget about cutting further and certainly eliminating fully the income tax. Not going to happen. Uh, the governor has made it very clear. If such a bill, however, made it to his desk, which cuts grocery taxes or even cuts um, uh, cuts car tax without increasing other taxes, he'd sign it. I would agree with him. I would too, if that's the best the legislature can do. But I would do it with a caveat, warning. You understand this makes it virtually impossible to get elimination of the income tax done. So I'm not suggesting whatsoever that those positions are socialist. Uh, and, and advocating against fraud, my gosh, I've railed against fraud on this program at the state and national level over and over again. I, I don't know that anybody else has even talked about the CBO's report where $270 billion of improper payments were made. And that's not just fraud, that's just incompetence. That's government incompetence. 
and I know that that exists as well in Mississippi. The Medicaid program is one of those, and that's because there's just limited resources to fight it, and people are just, they game the system. There's no doubt about it. Rhino, I know you've witnessed it in, in some of your prior work. People game that dang system. They just do. <clears throat> so I'm all for that. I'm all for rooting that out. If Presley is fine, except what all he's trying to do here is get elected and trying to desperately attach the governor uh, to the TANF scandal. I have never condoned that, and I've never argued uh, in, in support of it and tried to spin it. In fact, quite the opposite. But to attach the governor to it, even as lieutenant governor, man, that's a stretch. But that's all political uh, motivation. Expanding Medicaid, I've talked about that over and over and over again. I just, I, I don't hold the same view that Mr. Presley does and the Democrats in the state that, oh, just expand Medicaid and all our problems go away in health care. I just think the, the conversation's got to be expanded considerably if you really want to talk about addressing the health care situation in our state and, frankly, in our nation. Uh, change the law at the national level if you don't like it. Well, there are people who would be happy to totally eliminate the Medicaid program at the national level. Um, I, you know, I uh, regret that Medicaid, a government program, is the way in which we provide health care coverage uh, to those who truly do need it, such as the disabled, the blind, the indigent elderly. Uh, children in impoverished homes, even um, those uh, working, able-bodied adults that have very low incomes. I'd like to think about other approaches <clears throat> to solve that problem. I've actually written one up and sent it to our delegation. It's been a few years on just an idea I had, and and uh, I'll, I'll get into that later on in the program. But so it's just disingenuous, and, and I think it, it, it what it misses is Mr. Presley is a Democrat. He is going to be beholden to Democrat ideology. How can anybody doubt that? How can anybody? I'll give you an example. In Louisiana and Kentucky, both have Democrat governors, Republican legislatures. Both governors vetoed bills that got passed by their legislature that would have prohibited males from competing in female sports. That just recently happened because they're Democrats and they're beholden to Democrats and their ideology. Rob Winklepeck with West Brothers Construction joins us next. We're at the University for the Forge Expo. Stay with us. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for.
Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We're live at the Community in the Golden Triangle region of the great state of Mississippi. We're here for the FORGE Expo. And FORGE is an acronym that stands for Family Organizations Recruiting Great Employees. It's a group of community-minded small businesses working alongside educators to recruit talented, skilled employees. And one of those employers is Rob Winkleplek with West Brothers Construction. Thanks for coming on, Rob. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, tell us about uh, West Brothers Construction. What exactly do you guys do? What kind of construction? Sure. We're a commercial general contractor. We were uh, formed in uh, 1988 by two brothers, West Brothers Construction, uh, Ronnie and Steve West. Uh, they had competed against each other uh, in the residential market uh, okay. prior to 88 and uh, decided that that was probably not uh, – comfortable over Thanksgiving anymore and uh, <laughs> they merged and uh, then grew into the commercial general contracting business in the 90s and uh, so that's that's how we formed. Okay so were you part of the creation uh, you guys the Forge organization? or did you... I, I was. Yeah, okay. I was part of the original few. Okay and, and and tell us what how did this come about I mean it's it's uh, the assembly of these these fine Mississippi companies did like one person call another and say, "Hey, let's get these others together and put this thing together"? How did no, that how did that happen? No, we were all uh, friends and, and peers in the business, yeah. and uh, you know, complained to one another about the problems <laughs> we were having. Sure, and uh, you know, it seemed like that was becoming more frequent that yeah. uh, our complaints were, were being voiced to each other, particularly about you know just shortage of labor and, and finding help, and you know. Our local economy has been so fortunate uh, in the industry growth, and so, but uh, at, at times that tends to hurt us. So we're thankful for it uh, because it brings, uh, brings so much growth to our, our local economy, but at, at the same time it hurts us for, for our labor shortage. And so, uh, you know, we just decided instead of complaining about it, let's, uh, let's, let's put boots to the ground. Let's, let's start you. working on it. I got you. So has it been successful in that you have uh, identified prospective employees that have gotten interested in your company and ultimately came to work for you? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, this is the so this is the the fourth career expo that we've we've done. I've I've actually got uh, a young guy that's uh, that that works with us, and he mentioned to me earlier this week. He said I didn't get to go. I said you were one year too late, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, we I think seniors in high school this year. Uh, are, be, are the first class that actually got to go through the, the career expo. But we do other things like interview, uh, mock interviews uh, here at, at uh, EMCC. Last year we did that. And so we're getting to actually see, and, and those are done with uh, sophomores, juniors, seniors yeah. in high school. Yeah. So, yes, we are absolutely starting to see some of the fruits. So beyond just the technical aspect of construction, are, are you working uh, with these kids to, to train them on some of the other social skills and soft skills and that are so desperately needed? Yeah, so absolutely. So um, we started out with uh, kind of a small interview day, and uh, and we don't just – it's not just mock interviews. So we give them an opportunity to um, – there's a, um, a resume coach there. Uh, so they bring in a resume. We actually ask them to submit them ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, we look at those resumes, and we try to pair them with uh, companies that, that, that are somewhat – what they've listed as their okay. interests, yeah. and so they review those review those resumes ahead of time. If they need help with that, we do it, you know. And then we go over the little things, the shaking hands, the eye contact, yeah. uh, being confident. And a lot of times we ask them, you know, are you satisfied with that interview? And if they're not, or maybe even if they are, just to give them practice. We may send them through two or three other companies, maybe that have nothing to do with what they're interested in, 
uh, but it still just gives them that practice, the practice in shaking hands and making eye contact and just what interview questions are like. And so, you know, every interviewer is different, so it gives them more and more practice. Yeah. So what do they get exposed today? I know there are a lot of employers that uh, that are set up, and, and I see lots of uh, big, heavy equipment in the parking lot. Uh, yeah, so um, the, the vendors that are here today, uh, a lot of them are Forge members. Uh, some of them aren't, but... You know what's uh, what's unique about them, and probably what's similar with most of them. There's a few here that are that are large corporations, but for the most part, it's small businesses yeah. here that are construction related. Uh, not all, but most. And so they're seeing, uh, you know, four to five million dollars worth of assets lining uh, around this building uh, that they can honk the horn, they can climb on. Um, they're finishing concrete over on this side of the building, uh, tying rebar, laying brick. Uh, we've got the country's largest um, concrete pump uh, out here wow. 75 meter concrete pump so uh, it is the largest in the United States and it's here uh, solely for the purpose of um, the new aluminum dynamics mills. So. Yeah so uh, you feel like you probably find some that uh, make sense to bring on board once they get through school? Absolutely we uh, you know we, we have these QR codes set up everywhere and we we pay attention to who's scanning the codes <laughs> and, and then uh, you know how they're reacting as they go through the different uh, displays and booths and setups and so uh, yeah we, we take notes we, we take notes of some of the names of the kids that seem to be more interested in what we're doing. <laughs> I love it. Rob appreciate you coming on. Yeah thank you. Thanks for having us here and we're stepping aside for a break it's top of the hour. That means it's Fox News, Super Talk News. We're coming right back. We've got Katie McCrary with West Construction, McCrary Construction, uh, McCrary West Construction, and McCrary Construction Services. Also, Lee Mansburg, Junior Achievement of Memphis in the next hour. And Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman will wrap us up in the 11 o'clock hour. Stay with us. We're coming right back. And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays is live at the Forge. Career Expo at the Community in the Golden Triangle. Skills observed and experienced at the Forge Expo are taught in Mississippi High School and Community College career and technical programs. Students learn about pathways to careers in constructions, CTE centers, and other businesses. Eighth grade students will learn up close and personal, increasing opportunities for successful careers in these fields. That's what it's all about. Forge helps students forge their way by utilizing the abundant workforce training options right here available in our state. So uh, I got also trolled by the Libertarian Party of Mississippi. Uh, Rhino says the Mississippi GOP has given us the highest grocery taxes in the nation, artificially increased health care costs through certificate of need laws, and has had years to change one word to restore the ballot initiative but has failed to do so. 
this person was aggrieved because uh, I described the first term for the governor as a successful one for the state of Mississippi. And this is just another situation where folks always tend to focus on what they don't have and not what they do have. They never really seem to give much, uh, much thought to what has been accomplished, but rather uh, what they're mad about and what hasn't been accomplished. And so I'll just say that nuance is important. It's always the case, nuance. So you can, I think, describe the prior four years as overall successful, but also recognize there's more work to be done. I've come out and, and uh, shown support voiced support for restoring the ballot initiative. I like the House version that my good friend Fred Shanks uh, was involved in on the Constitution Committee over in the House, and, and I was not happy that we couldn't get it through the Senate uh, as well. I'm all for cutting the grocery taxes, but I just tell you again, that means no chance of cutting the income tax. And if I had a choice, I'd be for cutting the income tax. I think that would provide the greatest long-term benefit to the state of Mississippi. Uh, what was the other thing? Certificate of need. I got to tell you, I don't know who posted this. I've probably been crusading against certificate of need laws in the state of Mississippi longer than this person got involved in politics. Um, I agree, and I'm upset as well that we can't seem to get that through a Republican legislature. Um, and, and that's, that's a problem. There's no doubt about it. I will also say, however, that I think the ship has largely sailed on that matter. And here's what I, not that I wouldn't fully support it and, and I'm going to continue to advocate for it. But here's what I mean by that. There's just not a lot of, of health care investment uh, that's sitting out there just waiting for a certificate of need to expand or create uh, new health care facilities and services in the state of Mississippi. We have, a, we have unfortunately, a, uh, a very unhealthy population, and we also have an impoverished population. That's just fact. And we have a large component of uninsured potential payments. We also have extremely low commercial insurance reimbursement, if I'm not mistaken. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi, which is uh, accounts for 80% or so of the coverage, private coverage in the state, is uh, uh, it reimburses at the lowest rate in the country. We have uh, a large number of our population on Medicaid, which reimburses far below commercial insurance. It's a losing proposition, uh, uh, honestly. So is Medicare. So it's not like there's just this huge pent-up demand of of uh, new health care investment waiting to, uh, uh, to get their certificate of need, in particular to go into the areas where it's mostly needed because those are the, the least economically viable. I'm not saying there's none. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, it's, it's even more difficult today when you look at the, uh, the state of the health care economy in this country, even in affluent California where it's reported uh, by industry analysts that one in five hospitals in California is uh, on the verge of closure and that uh, over 70% of them, over 50%, pardon me, are cash flow negative. So it's a tough business at this point. Uh, 
these days people do paint everyone with a total broad brush, which I believe is wrong. This is from Tyler from Noxapater on the ceasefire text line. But, but are you not doing the exact same thing? I'm a member of the left, and I don't hold several of the opinions you claim all leftists hold. We are all hypocrites, but we should at least attempt not to be, my friend. Here's what I'd say to that, Tyler. I hear you. And, um, yeah, often that does sound like generalization, but I focus on policy. And, you know, when, when I'm critical of leftist policy, uh, all you can conclude when you see those policies is that these people are big government socialists. I don't see how you can conclude anything else. But I'll also point this out. I have been equally critical of my party and even elected officials in my party from the president all the way through the Senate through the state on policy with which I disagree. I've been critical. Show me one situation where Brandon Presley has condemned Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Phil Murphy in New Jersey. Which, by the way, what made me think about that right now, you've seen these reports where districts in New Jersey are canceling Halloween because it's evil and it's racist. And I don't know, it's got all sorts of other uh, their embedded false uh, narratives associated with it. And this is crazy. This is just another example of how the left hates fun. So, again, I just point this out. Where's Mr. Preston? When is he going to come out and, and condemn those members of his party? Uh, because uh, they stand for positions that are counter to his own. I've not seen that. Have, I, have you seen any of that, Rhino? Am I missing something here? Have you ever seen him say one thing critical of Joe Biden, for example? No. Right. So that's the difference, Tyler. Have you heard me say things critical of Donald Trump, of our Senator Roger Wicker, because he signed off on, he supported three bills that I thought were bad votes. I've not said anything personal, just I thought those were bad votes and were not consistent with the principles that, uh, that I think are important, that I prioritize. That's the difference. The, the Democrats are in lockstep, and that's my fear. Is it so would Mr. Presley be with all of these radical leftists who are going to expect that he governs in accordance with their stated ideology? It's just simple as that. So um, that's the problem with that. So, Thomas, you're just getting off on a deep end here, man. New one being built right now down the road from Greenwood LaFleur. New one what? New, a new hospital? Okay, well then they're not—they're going to lose money too. And what do you know about that hospital, Thomas? If, if they're just only accepting commercial insurance, if they're limiting to that, and they're accepting uninsured, if they're going to operate an emergency room and Impala applies, they're going to lose money. There ain't no doubt about it. So he says, as Tate uh, criticized Trump, just to be fair, I don't know. I haven't heard any of that. But again, Tate's not running around saying, hey, I'm not like other Republicans. Brandon Presley is. And this person that's coming to the defense of Presley, that's the difference. Um, I, I, I do know that, that Tate, I, I know for a fact that he has been critical of some of what's come out of the legislature, more importantly, what hasn't come out of the legislature. 
He's still itching to get an income tax elimination bill to his desk. He said that. And every time he says that, he, he's essentially calling the attention to the legislature, which can't seem to get that done. Oh, it's a Mediquit clinic. Okay. Well, it's a totally different situation, Thomas. So that's, that's, uh, that's outpatient uh, services, not in competition with Greenwood LaFleur. They're not going to accept urgent, emergent care patients. Um, so that's, that's the difference. Somebody else said that we don't answer the call line. What are they talking about, Rhino? We don't take calls, especially on remote. Right. So I don't know what they're talking about. You want to text us as, as I just read your text, you're certainly free to do so. We try to get to all of them, all we can. But, but I hear you, Tyler, in general. But, again, I just point out that it, the, the difference is there might be sort of minor differences between the governor and, say, Donald Trump. I would call my differences with him minor. And my main issues with him are, are that he made some commitments that he was unable to fulfill. And, and I've said that about all politicians. Don't make these commitments if you, if you really can't fulfill them. It's, it's okay to say you advocate for it. You're going to work hard for it. Uh, but I've also been very complimentary of the president. I've praised him, especially his America First agenda. I think we have a president, an administration, a Democrat party that puts America last. Last, honestly. That's a problem. All right, folks, we're taking a break right here. We're coming back with more from the Forge Expo at the Community University. Katie McCrary and Lee Mansberg will join us next. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We are live in the Golden Triangle at the Community University for the Forge Career Expo. We join, uh, we're joined now by Katie McCrary, co-owner, McCrary West Construction and McCrary Construction Services and founding member of Forge and Lee Mansberg, Junior Achievement of Memphis. Uh, we appreciate you ladies joining us today. So uh, tell us, uh, first of all, Katie, uh, how important is this expo to identify? future perspective employees it's very important um, at Forge we say that exposure is our number one goal these kids don't know these jobs exist if they don't even know what you do in these industries so that's what today is about they can run a simulator with a bulldozer and then they go outside and they can crawl into that same bulldozer be able to put that thought process together they can finish concrete they can lay brick they can run saws they can sit in trucks we just want them to know all of the options that are available for them in skill traits got you so this is a little different than sitting in a classroom in a, in a high school isn't it? no doubt 
So uh, what is junior achievement's role in this situation? Junior achievement, we're, first of all, we're just honored to be here because workforce readiness is, it's, it is our, it's what we love to do. And coming down here to Columbus and seeing what Forge has put together in inspiring 2,500 children across 11 um, schooled across 11 counties is how we build the workforce of our future. And Junior Achievement is here to support educators, to support counselors with curriculum, and to learn. We want to see what's to learn and how we can do it better across all of northern Mississippi. Got you. So have, uh, this is the fourth year for this event? Did yes. Right? So have you guys always participated, Junior Achievement? This is our first year, and we aren't participating yet. We're looking to see how we I can see. be of support and having the privilege just to be here and learn and watch. I've been sending my staff about 3,000 text messages <laughs> this morning. They're going to hate me or love me because we're inspired. So at Junior Achievement, what about the involvement of Junior Achievement in uh, the state of Mississippi uh, specifically, Lee? How's that going? I remember uh, participating in Junior Achievement when I was in high school. That was a long time ago. Tell me where you grew up. I grew up in central Mississippi in the Jackson area. I went to St. Joseph High School, and, and uh, I actually got involved not because it, I, I sought it as a career, but got involved a, a little bit with, with doing some, uh, some work on the radio. Uh, back then, communications. I love that, and the Junior Achievement has been in the region for all. We're about to have our 70th birthday next year, and I'm really pr proud to share and announce that the Board of Junior Achievement of Memphis and the Mid-South has just adopted the 51 northern counties of Mississippi. There isn't presently, except for way, way north, a presence, and we cover Jackson now, and this is a fact-finding mission and a learning mission to see how we can serve the state of Mississippi, and and make sure that the economy grows and our children belong to their communities. They should stay a part of their communities and make those economies grow and be thriving members. Sure. Katie, what sort of feedback do you get uh, from these students as they, as they tour the expo and they get exposed to all the various trades and, and, and possible job options? What, what kind of feedback do you get, if any, from them? We get a lot of great feedback. One, they're having fun and they're learning and they're having hands-on learning which is very important for these kids to get out of the classroom and, and actually get to to run a simulator or to get us sitting here looking at a student um, running an airplane simulator, which is, which is very cool. I saw that over there, the virtual reality airplane simulator. Yes. It's pretty neat. Um, we get a lot of great feedback, and interestingly enough, Forge started six years ago. This expo started actually five years ago because we skipped the COVID year. Three of our businesses have students employed at this point that came through this expo. Gotcha. So that is a super exciting return on investment for us. So the feedback is great. Yeah. So do you find there there's just a lot of, of interest uh, from the, the students at this age to enter this type of work? We do, and one of our goals is in the eighth grade, um, eighth graders are the students that come to this expo at the end of this year of eighth grade they'll be choosing whether they go into a CTE path awesome. or not. That is why this expo is strategically placed in the month of October and why we target eighth graders. I got you. So Lee, uh, you said you've been sending uh, a load of text back to the staff in Memphis. What can you share about that? What kind of ideas are flowing through your head about how Junior Achievement might be able to support and participate in this event? 
Well, one of the things that what we have is both a soft skills curriculum and we also have a 12 unit curriculum that builds up to this. So as students start to prepare to come to something this, it's about listening to our educators and refining that curriculum so it meets the needs of the state of Mississippi and each community in which we serve. What I love about Forge is just the playfulness and the imagination. Our theme is hands-on, minds open, and they've been making me laugh. Watching the hot dog explode on the line outside <laughs> is cracking me up. I love seeing Mississippi State's School of Architecture at work and letting children, and it's so appropriate. Everything here is age appropriate to inspire an eighth grader's imagination. Work is fun. It's not, you know, if, we, if I hear one more person say work is a four-letter word, <laughs> I totally disagree with that. I love to get up every day, but I have the privilege of choosing my career. Huh. And watching these children today, I'm seeing thousands of children getting inspired about the world of work and not thinking, oh no, someday I got to get up and go to work every day. Yeah. They, get to, they get to get up and go to work. What a great privilege. Well, one thing for sure is there's a whole bunch of energy. There's no doubt about that. Yep. And uh, and so I think it's probably uh, it's probably excitement driven by the fact that they're just not sitting behind a desk and uh, sitting in a classroom. This gives them exposed to more real world situations and and again get their feet wet on what sort of job opportunities there might be out there for them. Probably stuff they weren't even aware of. They'll learn about today. Absolutely, I think there's stuff that no child's imagination can can even begin to fathom that they could run a simulator and fly and learn to fly an airplane through a simulator, and the VR goggles, the virtual reality goggles, that there's new ways to get trained. Um, it's pure inspiration everywhere I look. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so any, anything in particular, uh, Katie, that you're looking to take away from the event when, when, you, uh, when you guys put this thing on and you meet with all these, these students, is, is there any, any specifics that you're looking to take back and, and will you have perhaps uh, meetings back at the office uh, and, and just kind of do a debriefing on who you met, what you found out and, and start planning for next year? We do. Each year we have that. Um, we kind of rehash what we heard at our booths, what kind of questions the kids asked, um, how can we better display that trade or that skill next year. Um, Lee and I have been upstairs. We also do a counselor's workshop okay. that runs um, all day today. And we have been talking about school, school accountability and what that looks like. And, and does that really reflect um, reflect our workforce? Yeah. You know, and then we've also been talking about, I'm super excited, um, Lee's office, uh, Junior Achievement, is going to present this afternoon and talk about financial literacy and how well do kids understand that. Um, soft skills, you know, if you ask any employer right now, what, did the, what, what does an employee need that they don't have, one of our first answers is soft skills. Yeah. So um, we're, we're learning a lot today, and we're, we're super excited about um, moving forward with the data that we've gathered. What about the schools that participate? Uh, how important is this to them? What sort of feedback do you get from them? Well, our first year, four years ago, we um, started with 800 kids, and today and tomorrow we will push 2,500 kids through this expo. We started with three schools. We have 28 schools that will go through the expo, 
and we actually had to cut it off this year. So I would say that the response that we get is is quite positive. Yeah, Lee, I can just say from my recollection and very positive experience in junior achievement that this kind of looks like it's right up you guys' alley. Oh, th th this is my love language here. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's just hope everywhere you look and the excitement of the kids. Um, there there's there's great things to come with this partnership. Yeah, no doubt. It, it certainly looks like it. Do you expect, um, Katie, that this will continue to expand? You'll have even more schools and, and more employers and vendors participate? That's our hope, yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly from the turnout today, it's pretty it's pretty strong. This is a great venue to, to hold an event like this as well. It is. We're appreciative that EMCC partners with us because we are in every corner and crevice of this facility. And um, when you talk about expanding this, something that we went over with the counselors and we talked to the adults last night about is that the investment in this community from the businesses here is huge. Yeah. We have our employees running the booth, which means they are not charged out to a job today. Gotcha. We estimated last night that we have a little over $4.1 million of equipment. Wow. here surrounding gotcha. this facility and that means that equipment's not charged out to a job today so gotcha. our investment is huge that's uh shows a commitment katie lee thanks for joining us we're Thank stepping you. aside for a break right now folks we're in the alamo well studio we're at the community for the forge career expo we're coming right back lieutenant governor delbert hoseman will join us at 11:50. stay with us with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. back everyone it's middays we are live in the element well studio we thank you so much for joining us today don't forget in the next segment after this one lieutenant governor delbert hoseman will call in and share his thoughts on the political landscape and what is on his mind in the coming legislative session so uh this uh, conversation about uh, the governor and Brandon Presley, clearly that's the marquee race coming up in less than two weeks, Rhino. Can you believe that? We'll, we're going to the polls to elect our statewide leaders uh, in the House, the Senate, of course, all the statewide offices as well. And, and so this, this trolling has proceeded <laughs> on uh, my simple post of a of a photo and showing my support for the governor. I think it would be detrimental to the state of Mississippi uh, to elect uh, a Democrat, in particular Mr. Presley. It really doesn't matter. Any Democrat, especially one who has accepted millions of dollars from far left radical Democrats and Democrat political action committees who seek to turn Mississippi deep blue. That means abortion on demand. Now, here's an example. Mr. Presley says he's a pro-life Democrat. I would invite you to 
to share with us any other uh, Democrat governor or Democrat serving in the House or Senate in Washington who is pro-life. We don't even have a pro-life candidate for president on the Republican side. That's what's crazy. But and so we got somebody on the ceasefire text line uh, is taking exception to my statement earlier about why doesn't Brandon Presley ever come out and and condemn Biden's policies? Now again, not Biden the person, Biden's policies and those of his party that are are being supported and implemented and advanced across the country in states and uh, and in the uh, the federal at the federal level only being held up because there's republican control of the house i mean that's the main value of having control of that house is putting a stop to the march of the democrat agenda agenda uh, so this this person on the ceasefire text line says well where has tate condemned trump desantis or others and i said well why would he condemn them where do they not align on policy see that's what's different we're told by Presley supporters he's he's different. He's a blue dog Democrat. Somebody just told me that, uh, and that um, he's not aligned with the National Democrat Party. Okay, well then why doesn't he condemn the policies of the National Democrat Party, which are totally embedded in climate change? We've talked about it before. It's climate change, it's race, and it's radical gender ideology. Those are the three pillars of the Democrat Party. Uh, you, you'd be hard-pressed to, uh, to argue with that, I believe. And we've got members of the Democrat Party, the Hamas squad is what they're now being referred to, that are tripling down on their condemnation of Israel in this conflict in the Middle East. And now they're at odds with the president. You may have seen, uh, folks, this video that's gone viral now of a student at Columbia University at a panel discussion, town hall sort of format. You saw that, Rhino, Hillary Clinton on the stage, and this student starts to confront her from, respectfully from the audience. And, and you know this is a student at Columbia University. I guarantee he's a Democrat and confronts her because... He's calling her out and Joe Biden out, calling them war mongers, that they want to send more money and just, you know, provide uh, more military support. And uh, fearful of dragging this country into a, a broader conflict with ground troops and perhaps even spurring World War III in a nuclear conflict. This person's concerned about it. And she ultimately, after a, a, a few words being exchanged, tells him to sit down. You've expressed your opinion. Sit down. She commits to him in this exchange. She'll meet him afterwards and have a private discussion. And he says, I don't trust you. Well, smart person, I don't trust you. So that's the difference is that um, while I have been critical of some of Trump's policies and, and um and DeSantis policies, but they're minimal, honestly, folks. They're minimal. I, I overall am fully aligned with them. And if they're the nominee, whichever, I'm supporting them. There ain't no doubt about that. But that's, that's fair game to express your opinion. The difference is Mr. Presley is saying, I'm not like them. 
Okay, well then what specifically do you disagree with? That's the that's the key difference here. It's not just not just holding your hand up and saying that I'm I'm a moderate Democrat. Okay, fine. What does that mean? It's it's you got to be more specific. What of the Democrat platform do you condemn? Are you not aligned with? The pro-life is one of those. He says he's pro-life. But good grief, the, the Democrats seek abortion on demand for no reason whatsoever uh, up until the, the uh, ninth month of gestation. Where does he stand on that? I guarantee you if he said that he opposes it, he ain't getting all that money from these big Democrat donors and these big PACs. I just don't think it would happen, because it, especially the, the governor's PAC, because it, that is uh, essentially formed of, and, and uh, the members of that, in that group are governors in the big blue states that have gone full pro-choice. I mean, they have expanded abortion access in the wake of Roe. Okay, Dwight, he says he's pro-life, but he has he condemned the Democrat Party. And he's, he said, I will not be beholden to Democrats who have given me money that expect me to be fully pro-choice. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I haven't seen him say that. Is he prepared to go public and say, I disagree with Joe Biden and the Democrats and these other Democrat governors who have expanded, radically, dramatically expanded, even paying for abortion? Where does he stand on federal taxpayer dollars paying for gender change surgery uh, for members of the military? Does he align with the Admiral of the Space Force, whose, whose audio we played on this program, who said that it was critical that our military fully embrace the LGBTQIA community because it's a force multiplier in a war readiness impediment. Does he disagree with the commander of the Space Force in that respect? So, Dwight, you can tell me that all day long. It's unbelievable. Stop pandering votes for Tate. You are speculating fallacies and trying to degrade a good man. That's on the ceasefire text line. I'm not trying to degrade a good man whatsoever. This isn't personal. It's about my deep concern of the future for this state. And the other thing that I've pointed out that I've not heard a word of from uh, from Brandon Presley is his plan uh, to expand and grow Mississippi's economy. It's not even in his talking points. I've never seen him say a word about that. I can tell you this, there's some big deals cooking right now in the state of Mississippi. Huge, game-changing, transformational economic development projects that are on the boards. And I can assure you before these investments are made by these very large companies, they're going to want to sit down and shake hands and have a conversation with, with the governor. And I have concerns about Brandon Presley being that governor at that time and us losing out on those opportunities. This is a real concern. And uh, I'm personally involved in one of these big opportunities. It's not about personality. It's not about a person. I'm not saying he's not a good man. Um, that's, that's absolutely not even up for discussion. Uh, I. I don't really know a lot about him other than what I consume in the public square just like you guys do. 
Uh, I know he's highly respected in, in his work as public service commissioner. I've heard positive feedback there. But, again, I'm concerned about being beholden to the national Democrat agenda. Dwight says Medicaid expansion and ending corruption by our politicians are far more important to our state than whatever Joe Biden is doing. So, Dwight, are you, I assume you're fully pro-choice. Uh, do you support abortion up until uh, the end of the ninth month of gestation? Just as an example, where do you, where do you stand on that? Uh, do you support gender-affirming surgery for members of the U.S. military? Where do you stand on that? Do you support radical wealth taxes like uh, Joe Biden supports? Do you support confiscation of assets? Do you support raising the cap on Social Security? Where do you stand on all that stuff, Dwight? I mean, these are all part of the the Democrat agenda. Do you do you support diversity, equity, and inclusion? That that uh, those should be the key factors in determining economic outcomes as opposed to performance and merit and value creation. Joe Biden does. I believe Brandon Presley would as well because he's part of that party. It's just simple as that. Pro-life says Dwight at conception. Dwight, we're coming right back with the Lieutenant Governor of the Great State of Mississippi, Delbert Hoseman. Stay with us. Awesome. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays is live. We're at the Community in the Golden Triangle area of Mississippi for the Forge Career Expo. We're pleased to welcome to the program now the Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Mississippi, Governor Delbert Hoseman. How are you doing today, Governor? I'm doing great, Gerard. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, just enjoying watching all these eighth graders tour this incredible facility up here, uh, the community part of East Mississippi Community College, nestled in the Golden Triangle. And they're getting exposed to all the wonderful job opportunities in the trades. And, uh, Governor, all these employers, they're looking for employees. I know you've talked about it quite a bit. And they're looking for skilled employees that also possess uh, the complement of social skills. And that's also included in lots of the training. But, but they're seeing firsthand what a job in these industries may look like. And these employees, uh, employers, I should say, they can't wait for them to graduate so they can come to work. Yeah, we, um, we got with Katie McCrary. I think you've been on your program already. She's phenomenal. She started this forge uh, probably about three or four years ago. She and Nick Parrish, who runs Burt's, Burns Debt, uh, Dirt Moving Company, and they started this knowing that they couldn't get people to uh, pull concrete, and they couldn't get people to do all the things, drive the bulldozer, all that stuff. And so they, they started this program, and it's really expanded around the state. Uh, the one that you're in is the 2023 Workforce Program of the Year, uh, selected by Accelerate is, is their program. And they really work hard on this, and it's they're a small business. They're, they're not, you know, this is not like PACAR or somebody up there. These are small businesses that are banding together 
to make sure that they have their workforce, but also every other small business has a workforce. So it's it's really, um, uh, well, the work they do is just phenomenal, and it's not just for their own company. It's for the whole workforce up there. Yeah, it, it really is. And I just wonder, uh, Lieutenant Governor, if, if we shouldn't consider creating some sort of organizations like this. Of course, this is all from the private sector. This was all uh, inspired by them, and, and honestly, uh, it, they were the catalyst for it. I mean, they're the ones that, that created it, established it. This just looks like a model uh, along with this community that we should have throughout the state of Mississippi. Yeah, what, uh, what this does is fill the gap between what the legislature started. You remember this, but we used to have a SWIB board with 40-something yep. people on it, and we changed it to Accelerate Mississippi, which is a much smaller seven-person board, and I get two appointments to that, one of which is Nick Parrish, by the way. And so those individuals go uh, get together, and then they meet with uh, community colleges and high schools and determine what jobs are out there and try to move them move these young men and women towards a, a better economic life is the way I put it. And this particular part, this forge and these other workforce programs around the state, those fill that gap between what the legislature started here with Accelerate and with what the community colleges can offer. And we're seeing a proliferation, Gerard, uh, around Mississippi of high schools having their own technical training. Like Clinton yeah. insists, Pascagoula, I've been in there. We're seeing these around the state at the high school level. I think in Pascagoula, you can get like 21 different uh, certificates uh, from welding to uh, culinary. Clinton and all these others, you're seeing it up there. In uh, Lowndes County, you're seeing a build up a workforce development system. So you're, this, is, this movement to make the individuals realize that probably only about 23% of our kids actually get a college education and there are a lot of other uh, meaningful jobs that that, are, uh, that will that they will compensate you very well uh, with hands-on work, and that's what they're talking about. Yeah, uh, no doubt, and you're so right. Many of the high schools have implemented these career technical education programs. Gulfport High School is one that we did yep. a remote at uh, last year that just has a phenomenal program. And, and the kids enjoy it so much, and they get exposed, and it starts uh, kind of triggering their brains about, you know, maybe there's uh, other opportunities that make sense for me, and they get exposed to that here as well. But mainly these employers, as you know, they're all desperate for workers and and of course their their workforce is a trit out they they age out and they got to keep filling up the funnel there and this is where it comes from i think that's right and um you know what i think is really important they get exposed to these things like in girlport yeah. as an example they have like a pre-nursing program up down there where they you know take blood pressure and all this other kind of stuff and you'll, you'll see them exposed to that and maybe they want to be a nurse or maybe they've never had an opportunity to even think about yeah. that and now they're exposed to being a nurse or they're exposed to being a welder or they're exposed to being whatever. I mean, all kinds of different jobs that are available in Mississippi right now today, and they're, uh, they're very economically rewarding. Absolutely right. Lieutenant Governor, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it, sir. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you again. You're in a great community up there. They're doing good things. Sell Katie and Nick and all of them. I said hello.
Absolutely. Folks, it's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. We appreciate the Lieutenant Governor for joining us. We're at the Forge Expo at the Community in the Golden Triangle of Mississippi. When we come back, it's Brent Bean, the President of the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We're live at the Community in the Golden Triangle today for the Forge. That's Family Organizations Recruiting Great Employees Career Expo. Forge helps students forge their own path by utilizing the abundant workforce training options right here in our area. And speaking of, we welcome to the program now Brent Bean, president of the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation. Brent, thanks for coming on. Oh, glad to be here, Gerard. Isn't it awesome what's going on today? Man, it's incredible. Uh, these young folks are getting exposed to all these various career opportunities that exist right here in the state of Mississippi. They don't have to leave the state to find plenty of opportunities for gainful employment, great paying jobs, great companies, great benefits. I've already talked to a couple of employers who have said as much that they've had to increase their compensation packages because it's just a it's the demand and supply dynamics. We got we got uh, more job opportunities chasing fewer job applicants and that equals uh, an environment that's advantageous for the employee. Yeah, supply and demand, you know, but it is good to see that our construction industry has embraced, you know, they've got to have competitive wages. And one of the things that we always try to tell these young people throughout the years as we get to see them firsthand is, you know, it's not just your salary, and that is very competitive in this industry, but it's the other benefits that go along with it that yeah. the construction industry has embraced because they knew that they had to to stay competitive and keep the people they wanted. I mean, it's it's health insurance, it's, it's retirement, it's 401K, stuff like that that sometimes the eighth graders don't think about, but, yeah. you know, we try to plant that seed because they're going to think about it one day. Yeah, that's that's right, and and I know whenever I've addressed young folks, you're so right. That's typically not top of their mind, but it, it doesn't take long where it becomes pretty important to you, and uh, you wish you maybe had thought a little bit about that when you started out your career. Um, have, have you talked uh, today to some of the? Let's start with the employers. What are, what are they telling you, uh, Brent? Are you talking to some of them? So a lot of the contractors that I've been speaking to this morning. Uh, first thing that I want to brag about these young people who are coming through is the manners that this group has had this morning. I was talking to a handful of contractors said, I've heard more yes sirs and thank yous than I have in a long time. So that's got a lot of people excited right there <laughs> that they'll come up and actually shake your hand, look you in the eyes and be respectful. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize how far that will take you. Yeah, no doubt and about it. it. And, that's, and that's just such an important 
part um, of uh, just being a, a productive employee and, and honestly from an employer perspective a desirable employee Absolutely. I mean that's kind of, that's one of the things they're looking for it's more than just coming in and being able to do just the, the technical aspect of the work yeah one of the things another thing that they've been really excited to see is the initiative that a lot of these young people have shown as opposed to being hesitant to, to jump in there and jump in the simulator and drive a concrete truck or to grab the virtual welder. A lot of these are, you know, hey, let me do it. I want to try it. I want to try it. So um, seeing them excited to put their hands on stuff and being able to give them that opportunity to actually put their hands and, and go through some simulations and and try these things. And then, you know, when that interest is peaked, let them know, hey, if you like this, you know, you can make a living doing this. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, we've got the driving simulator back there and some of the kids are, are driving, you know, concrete trucks and then they're able to get right out and climb up in a real concrete truck. And then we tell them, hey, this is how much money you can make driving this. Yeah. You know, you know their eyes, eyes <laughs> light, light up, you know, and like, wow, I, I, I didn't realize that. Like, yeah, you can, it's a beautiful day outside. Yep. We're, you know, we're blessed to have that today. And that's another benefit that we talk to these people. Like, hey, if you like being outside, and doing things with your hands like you're doing today, you, you can make a living out of it. Not not just a job, but a, a true career where you can provide for your family. And it's it's just really great to, uh, to have the kids come through in this area and just show such excitement and be so engaged with all that's going on. And yeah. I, I like seeing the, the employers we see. You know, I talked to Katie and Christy and them with Forge earlier and we've got you know more industry than we have in the past being here so seeing our, our industry want to embrace and work with these young people uh, is just really exciting that everybody's on board that we need to grow the workforce it's not going to grow itself and we need to we need to get in front of these young people as soon as possible and start planting that seed yeah I've had uh, I've had some folks even on the text line that have said they'd like for their skills to participate in this event as well. They they uh, obviously are hearing about it and hearing from the folks been on the show. Sounds like something that uh, they believe would benefit their schools. But really, eighth graders at at such a, a malleable age and impressionable part of their life, they should be exposed to everything. Obviously. Absolutely, absolutely. And studies have shown you know that's why we're doing this for, for eighth graders. Today, you know, the studies show that at eighth grade is when, you know, the kids kind of start thinking about what do I want to do. Yeah. You know, now a lot of people they don't they don't make up their mind as yeah. an eighth grader. Sure. But you know they're starting to wonder and starting to think about those kind of things. So that's why it's so great for us to be able to pique that interest and why they're wondering what do I want to do. You know, we start putting this kind of stuff in front of them and just let them know, hey, here's an opportunity for you. You don't have to just think. Oh, I got to go to college and, and be a businessman or be a lawyer. That's great if you want to do that. We, we do need businessmen and we do need lawyers and doctors, but we also need people that can, you know, build the interstates and build the hospitals and build the law offices. We need that as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, no doubt about that. And uh, and that's going to continue for as long as we can see out uh, in front of us. But I. I, I kind of wonder when, when the, the the students experience this event. I wonder what they tell their parents when they go home. That's that's something that MCEF is really passionate about uh, working 
and getting in front of those parents because um, what we have found, you know, in the past, and it's, it's gotten better here recently, but in the past, the kids come and their interest is peaked, and they think this is really cool, and they go home and they say, hey, Mom, I, I want to drive a dump truck. And it's immediately shot down. You're not driving a dump truck. <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing that. So that, that's something that, that Forge is working on and MCF partnering with them is working on is really trying to get our parents to understand their, their baby can be very successful in this industry and they can be proud of that you know representative jill ford is one that i talk about all the time that you know she's as happy as she can be that her baby boys are plumbers because they're right. so successful doing it and you know she's the first to tell you initially she was she was just caught off guard and just yep. like oh my put out by it. like no I'm, I'm paying for you to go to Ole miss this is what you're going to do and yeah now she just couldn't be more proud and there's so many examples about uh, like that across our state that we just want to be able to get it in front of more parents and hey you can be very proud of your of your daughter or your son going into this industry. And this is one that we always try to tell people, hey, you can start at the bottom and work your way up. And if you have the desire and the drive to have your own company and be your own boss, this is an industry that, that offers that opportunity to you. And, and opportunities for advancement as well. These, these companies are, are expanding, and, the, and, they're, and by doing so, they're creating uh, career paths and Absolutely. new opportunities. Absolutely. You know, we, we see so many examples, you know, personally at MCF where our apprentices go through the program, and then a couple years later, they're project managers or they're estimators, and some of them come back and teach for us as well. And that's just really exciting to see somebody come in as a, a greenhorn, a young apprentice that doesn't know anything, goes through a four-year program. They're working. They're getting on the job training. They're driving a truck, company truck, by the time they're a fourth-year apprentice. And then two years later, you're talking about your project managers. You're making salary, you know, some of them in the six figures, benefits, uh, again, company vehicles. And that's just something that not all industries are able to offer people no doubt about it uh and the one thing that i've noticed uh here today uh brent is just the the energy the energy level is high i think the, these uh, these eighth graders are having a lot of fun to see a lot of their their teachers and chaperones with them as well it, it just gives them an opportunity to get out of the traditional lecture environment in a setting in a classroom and and okay this is really what i'm learning all this for what i'm you know yeah. what i'm aspiring to is go to work yeah it, it, but you love for them to be able to get their hands and see some of this big equipment uh be able to see like hey here's how you can apply some of this algebra that you learn you no know, doubt look, look at how you build the slope of this roof and, yeah. and things of that nature Yes, and it's really exciting when you see them do that and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off like oh. really cool stuff Brent Bean, president of Mississippi Construction Education Foundation, has been our guest on Middays. We're at the Communiversity. Appreciate you coming on, Brent. Yes, sir. Thanks We're for here, here for the Forge Career Expo. We're coming back after the break. We've got Dr. Michael Busby, vice president of East Mississippi Community College, Communiversity. Stay with us.
talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. We appreciate you being with us today. So we've got lots of exchanges on the ceasefire text line. Somebody just informed us, Rhino, that some American soldiers were killed by a drone attack. I mean, I, I know there have been some attacks by Hamas forces on uh, American soldiers, but anything of late that has occurred? Have you heard, Rhino? I haven't seen reports of any deaths, but I did see a report earlier, about 20 minutes ago now, of uh, 30 military personnel, U.S. military personnel, that sustained minor injuries from the drone and rocket attacks on bases in Iraq and Syria. And those attacks occurred about a week ago, but it's just now being reported on. Yeah, and uh, I caught that some in a press conference yesterday. Karine uh, Jean-Pierre was asked about it. And was also asked, I don't know if you guys caught this, what she thought, or actually what the president thinks, she is the spokesperson for the president, thinks about the uh, widespread pro-Hamas uh, protests across the nation, particularly on America's college campuses. And I don't, did you see this, Rhonda? But she immediately went to her paper in front of us, in front of her, at the podium, and began to read some prepared talking points about anti-Muslim sentiment in this country. Did you guys catch this? It, it's, it just seems like, once again, everything has to be reduced down to race. And that's exactly what that's about. She never answered the question, what does the president think about uh, these widespread anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations? Never answered the question and immediately went, to something that had already been written up and drafted sitting on her podium on a piece of paper. And it was, once again, just admonishing America for being anti-Muslim. Oh, the Palestinian people are just great people, this, that, and the other. And I'm certainly not suggesting that there aren't some good, honorable, respectful people that I think exist in, in virtually all of, all of these these various countries and, and factions. The problem is they are under the control of radical uh, regimes and, and they are teaching and training their children to hate Israelis and hate America at a young age. I mean, that's just a fact. That's just a fact. And so where are these, these good Palestinians and good Muslims? Why don't they come forward and condemn that and point that out? Now, you showed me something after the show, uh, Rhino, that was in incredibly telling. Uh, and I'm going to try to describe it and let you handle it. But it, it was an assembly of media in what looked like a big sort of auditorium, semicircular auditorium. And the media, I believe this was in Israel, was being shown video and still photos of some of the brutalities that Hamas 
had in, inflicted on Israelis in Gaza. And I think this was specifically to show these media, many of whom are in a state of denial, frankly, and still believe that, that it was all fabricated uh, tale from Israel, these various atrocities. Tell them about that, Rhino. That was fascinating. You had a video that showed their faces and their body English and facial expressions um, as they were viewing these these horrific images. Yeah, the, the mainstream media has been hesitant to report on the atrocities committed by the terrorists of Hamas, but have been really quick to buy into all the BS propaganda being spread by Hamas. So the IDF brought in members of different media organizations and news outlets from around the world, sat them down in the auditorium, and played for them footage from body cameras that the Hamas terrorists were wearing, from security cameras. They played WhatsApp messages from Hamas terrorists calling back to their parents saying, your son kid killed 10 Jews. Check your WhatsApp. I sent you pictures. And all of these mainstream media people and journalists, in quotes, journalists, were just sitting there aghast because they were finally being forced to realize the reality is there. You can't put the blinders on. You can't put your head in the sand. Hamas are a bunch of animals. They're terrorists that killed innocent Israeli civilians and did it gleefully. It's on video. Quit trying to take up for them. Quit, quit trying to play both sides. It's clear-cut black and white. Yeah, no doubt. And, and now we've learned that uh, the commanding officers, whatever the organizational structure is in the Hamas um, regime there in the Hamas group were instructing these these soldiers, if you could call them that, they're really terrorists as you describe them, on foot that were entering the homes, that were uh, committing these atrocities. They were instructing them to inflict maximum pain and brutality and to capture it on video, on film. They were instructing them to do so. So it is, it is, is just absurd and abhorrent that these media who are supposed to be curious to dig down and drill down and get to the truth uh, were denying this and so I, I'm, I was glad to see that I was blown away when you showed me that after the show the uh, the facial expressions you could just tell what they were seeing was uh, was disturbing them it was affecting them emotionally uh, and and it, how could it not if you if you're if they're seeing what has been described that has occurred? So I, I respect that. Um, but our president it needs to be taking more action, uh, more firm action against Iran. In my view, we should be impounding uh, these ships that are transporting oil. We should be. Uh, shooting or drones because they do transport drones shooting down drones and interdicting and impounding ships that are carrying military supplies and any sort of other armaments including drones we should impose sanctions and we should uh, we should actually we have sanctions we should enforce them the Biden administration chooses not to another question I'd like to ask Brandon Presley and and then the other thing is we should remove Israel from participating and uh, the, the global uh, banking and financial exchange, the clearing, because they couldn't 
essentially process payments and, and work within the global financial community, I still believe that, that it's Joe Biden's policies that enabled this. It's his policies, uh, just bound and determined, again, guided by the left, uh, his party overall. We're going we're gonna to end the use of fossil fuels, and we're going to cut back all we can, and we're going to make it virtually impossible to expand use. And all that did was play into the hands of uh, our, our most ardent adversaries in uh, Russia and in Iran. Uh, Iran has gotten rich because of Joe Biden. And what do you, where do you think the money's coming from to fund this effort? It's not coming from Hamas. They're the proxy for uh, Iran in, in, this, uh, in this situation. So uh, I have deep concerns about that, but I think that's consistent with the Democrat Party. I did see that the view even called out the Hamas squad. You see that, Rhino? Even, even Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Bahar called out AOC and, and uh, Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar, Corey Bush, etc., Jamal Bowden, uh, Bowman, all of whom are completely in uh, and on board uh, with Hamas and in support of them. Even, this, even the view, it, this is just, I think, the Democrat Party deeply fractured. I know that there's lots of concerns about how the Republican Party is in the House trying to get a speaker, but uh, this, I think, is evidence uh, of the fact that the Democrat Party absolutely is, they're an appeasement party. They're, they're not really a party that, that uh, seeks any kind of action that would truly benefit the world or all Americans. It's really more about who can I appease today? Who, who's been oppressed in their view? that I can come be the hero for, for and appease. Having a conversation with Dwight on the ceasefire tax line, by the way, who reminded me that, um, uh, was it him, I think, that uh, Joe Biden actually supports building a wall? Was it him that said that? Yeah, Biden is trying to build a wall. That's just all symbolic. And by the way, it's not the wall as Trump proposed, Dwight. It's a small wall in a few areas. He still hasn't been to the border. Kamala Harris still hasn't been to the border. They still look the other way. They're ecstatic that the world is focused on Israel, and so is the country and the speaker situation, so that they don't have to account for what's happening at the border. Record crossings. You can't tell me serious about getting control of the border when we had 250,000 cross into this country, including a number of Chinese nationals, and I guarantee you, included among those who are crossing over the border, or terrorists that intend to wield some sort of attack and carnage inside this country. And that's going to be on Joe Biden, just as this entire war is. He's funding the war. He's the one who enriched Iran to kill innocent civilians. We're stepping aside, coming back with Dr. Dr. Michael Busby, the vice president of East Mississippi Community College. Stay with us. Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside.
Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. We are live at the Communiversity. We are in the Golden Triangle at the Communiversity for the Forge Career Expo and wanted to pass this on to you that uh, the vote is underway presently for Mike Johnson, Congressman Mike Johnson from neighboring Louisiana. He is the Republican nominee for Speaker of the House of Representatives. He needs 215 votes. It has been 217. That's because there are four absences in addition to the two vacancies in the House today. 215 votes. By all accounts, it looks like that's uh, going to uh, go through. I I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Rhino, do you see any tally on that? I see Johnson's got 171, Jeffries 154, zero in the other and present categories. It looks like he's maybe on his way. What do you think? Yeah, it looks like it may be a hiccup or two, but not enough to derail it. Yeah, so I think he may be the new Speaker of the House. We welcome to the program now Dr. Michael Busby, Vice President of East Mississippi Community College, Communiversity. That's where we are right here. Thanks for coming on, Dr. Busby. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me today. Big event today. Uh, lots of energy among these uh, eighth graders who uh, went through the expo, got exposed to lots of great companies offering future job opportunities and, and maybe seeing what it, it will be like. Uh, it'll be here before you know it. Uh, for them, they'll be entering the workforce. Absolutely. This event is incredible, uh, and i got to give a lot of credit and props to the Forge team first. That This is all them. We, we, we let them use the building today and partner with them, but they've done all the work. Uh, the setup has been wonderful. Getting these kids in is wonderful. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, getting eighth, eighth graders out or really any kids out to see this kind of thing at that age is really, really important. Uh, it's changed a lot. You know, when we were older, when I, when I was younger, you need to go to four-year school. But now, uh, that's still a great option. But, sure. but kids can come out now and get a one-year or two-year degree, find these jobs, see the industry there, and, and get, get work. So it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for sure. Tell us, Dr. Busby, how does the community figure into this? So, you know, we are a high-tech training facility here that houses, I believe we have uh, workforce bays here, uh, classrooms here, obviously office space and meeting facilities, but we house all those things. But workforce training, uh, to have these, these people come in from industry and train here and, and get better at their job, what, the, what they do, but also the career technical uh, education classes, those one-year and two-year programs. We hope these young people here today will actually figure out that, that pathway they want to come through come to school here uh, and, and get that, that two-year or one-year training certificate or associate's degree. Uh, that stuff will all now transfer to most of our in-state schools. So uh, again, we want to train and help educate all the people we can, including young folks and existing employees. So. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's totally awesome. And, and uh, I had the opportunity to uh, tour the community at, at, at prior events. And what impressed me the most, uh, Dr. Busby, is that you look at the classroom and you see the students and you see the instructors and, and you see the the materials that they're that they're using for example in those classrooms I mean those are purpose-built and specifically tailored to prepare the student to train the student for the jobs that they're going to be working once they graduate and they enter the workforce often to work for companies that uh, played a role in uh, developing the curriculum absolutely and you know each curriculum we have for career tech has a committee that's made up of these industries in the area. So they have a say-so in the curriculum, and they also have a say-so in who gets hired. So the great thing is when a student graduates that, that career tech program, either at one year or a two-year point, 
the statistic is, and it varies by program, around 80% of them get a job in that field already when they leave. So that's that's the, that's the end goal. You know, you say you come to school for a degree, but you really come to get a job. Yeah, that's for. right. That's a good point. And and, it, and it's good, I think, and it's um, it's certainly not, not lost on me that that is – uh, the goal of the community university, of uh, the community colleges in our state as well, is to we're trying to train folks so they can get a job. The goal is not to get the degree. The goal is to get a job. It's to go to work. And, you know, <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, think about this area and how much growth we've had in this GT area. Yeah. Uh, folks like the GT Link, the Startful Partnership, have done so much work to bring these industries in. But now it's our job, you know, to help those industries find those people, to hire, to get them out here. And, and again, the growth here. It's where we come in again, just unlimited amount of growth potential for us to help and, and train and get those folks to that point. So. You know, I think that it's it's probably widely believed that when a, a company makes their decision to locate, to expand into a particular area, or even an existing company uh, that's looking to just grow their operations, that, uh, uh, that financial issues, financial matters, taxes per se, is what tops the list. But the conversations you have with employers, uh, I, I work in economic development uh, on the board at Madison County, it's workforce. That's the, that's the big need, and that's what always is. Can we get the staff we need uh, to, uh, to fill the ranks we need to operate? It, it is. You know, the workforce side of the house, uh, we try to have specific trainings here that are generic, such as a CDL truck driving yeah. course they take. But then also we try to tailor that to the company's needs. So uh, that can be on-site here. It can be off-site somewhere. Uh, we do have folks on staff with expertise. We also hire extra people to come in and make that happen. But we found that, that most of the big industries here do want training, and, and we've been able to provide a lot of that, and we want to do more. So I'll certainly say if anyone out there does want training, let, let me know. We're happy to to try to build that and help that and, and grow that direction. Well, that's excellent. I mean, it's refreshing to see all too often we, we kind of see these, these these firewalls between industry and education that uh, I think has been an issue, but it, it seems like that's changed. That's evolved quite a bit. And education and industry both realize you kind of need each other. <laughs> I think that's the future. I really do. Yeah. You know, we, we've, we've kind of had that, that one stop kind of you got to go this direction, but that has really begun to change in the last few years. And, again, with industry and, and, and community colleges and even the four-year now the institutions universities are partnering with those industries to do things absolutely and we work with MSU a good bit as well and have yeah. some things to announce soon that will be really cool that'll help the area I believe and help that work but you know it is it is that those partnerships with industry and, and schools and even high schools you know high schools are getting more into work with industry as well and trying to figure out a way to come from high school to work in some cases and that transition from secondary to post-secondary to, to the workforce has become uh, more static than it's ever been so. yeah and and you you made a point the golden triangle from an economic perspective is booming it's experienced a tremendous economic growth hats off to the link joe max and, and that group they've been instrumental in bringing in lots of uh, economic expansion you got steel dynamics big project uh that is is underway right now and and they're going to be uh outfitting their facility with lots of uh, highly compensated workers it does my heart good to see this area grow i'm from here and from the area and you know just seeing the industry come here and and those jobs coming in you know we know we've lost some jobs in certain towns across the way but uh, this area coming back with those jobs and the aluminum plant coming in in, in the near future is a big thing for sure yeah. so this, all that stuff is, is such a great thing to see and i expect more i think this this area a lot of smart folks put a lot of work into this over the years and 
a lot of smaller folks working on it now. So I do think it's really important that we continue you know, to, to support that. And again, it does my heart a lot of good to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm confident that uh, our friend Joe Max and the Link have got some projects on the boards that we don't even know about right now. I have you know no how doubt. that works. I have no doubt. <laughs> He's a, incredibly uh, aggressive and uh and very competent in, in what Absolutely. he does and and of course it's it's gotten national attention as well uh but uh, that's that's exciting what's on the boards for the community university any any uh new projects you got you're working on yeah we've got a few things going on uh, a couple, as i mentioned a couple of partnerships with msu to bring in some equipment here to kind of have some joint projects there uh we, we can announce that in the near future but but you'll see some things on some engineering work with some cobots and different things to make some things work there uh, you know, certainly work with industry. We're going out and trying to get back with different industry and add more training across the board. Uh, got a few new career tech programs that are starting up uh, around here, somewhere up the hill at the old campus at Mayhew. But uh, one of the big ones you'll see out there is a utility line worker program on the hill. Folks, their students climbing poles almost every day if you ride by there, and that's that's a demanding field. You know, there's a lot of jobs out there for that in the area. So always trying to grow the education side of the house and just open to as much workforce training as we can possibly do but yeah. the career tech side is such a great thing you know again when i was growing up that was called shop class yeah right. we've got about 50 career tech programs i think i said that already but i'm just so proud of the fact that we've grown that and added more and more of that training for our students to learn and and, and that gets them job ready a lot quicker than any other degree would. Well, as you know, uh, the the workforce is incredibly diverse and in that there are new jobs being created every day. And the education community has, has got to respond to that to prepare students for those jobs. Uh, you, you can't stand in one place for very long let the grass grow under you because as soon as you do, the whole thing gets upended. And that's our biggest, I think, challenge. And, and I say challenge not in a negative way, but we have to continue to go after that and just keep on learning, seeing what's happening, how folks out and meeting people and, and find that industry and you know we try our best to get out and and do that and, and and are being seen so we just have to keep after that for sure well the interaction with industry uh, and certainly in the education environment with industry to make sure that your curriculums uh, and curricula are aligned with those job opportunities and in, in, in future opportunities that they're even thinking about that's important and I, and I applaud you for that appreciate I, that I appreciate that and again this event today falls right into what we're doing uh, having these young people out here to come see all this this stuff available from the, the trucks outside to the interaction in here to seeing people it just fits right into what we have to do to educate our, our people well, we're glad to be here and be part of it. appreciate you coming on yes, dr michael busby vice president of east mississippi community college community that's where we are for the forge career expo we're coming right back with the final segment it's gt mccullough with the create foundation stay with us Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We are live in the Golden Triangle at the East Mississippi Community College Community for the Forge a Career Expo. Rhino, real quick, give us an update on the Speaker of the House. It looks like
we got one. Mike Johnson. Yeah, the latest I saw was 219 votes, so he has the vote. All right, he's crossed the threshold. We'll dig into that tomorrow. Right now, we've got G.T. McCullough with the Create Foundation. G.T., thanks for coming on. Tell us about the Create Foundation. Thank you for having me, Gerard. So, Create Foundation is Mississippi's oldest and largest community foundation based in Tupelo, but we serve 17 counties throughout North Mississippi. So, if you drew a circle from Marshall County over to Tishomingo and all the way down here into the Golden Triangle, that's kind of the region that we serve. Uh, we serve in community development, which is kind of the side of the house that I work on, and then we serve as a 501c3. So a lot of people do their financial giving through Create, set up endowment funds and things like, like, like that. Yeah, so what's your connection to uh, the community and to this uh, Forge event? Well, specifically to Forge, Katie McCrary serves yep. on our Commission on the Future of Northeast Mississippi. So McCrary West Instruction, and we also have Rob Winklepleck of West Brothers, so they're all involved with Forge. And she invited us to come down here and talk school accountability with some school counselors this morning. Um, so we work close hand in hand with them on everything. And again, this is being a region we serve. We like to be here as much as we can. Yeah. So uh, just reading a little bit about the history, publisher George uh, McLean. McLean, yes, sir. McLean, his wife, Anna Kiersey McLean. They started this organization back in 1972. Is that right. right. This is year 51. We had our 50th anniversary last year. Incredible, incredible. So, uh, obviously, the foundation has an interest in working with these young folks in our state to right. try to make sure that they can uh, get the right job that suits them, gainful employment, plenty of opportunities, and that's why we have all these employers here because they're trying to make sure they can fill their ranks. Exactly. I mean, you look out and you look at these students that, uh, that we're fortunate to have all throughout the region. These, this is our future. Yeah. And you know things like this, this expo, exposing them to the opportunities that are here is massively important. And you know things like this need to be happening all, all throughout the region, all no throughout doubt. the state. No doubt. To totally agree. Um, and this community university itself is, is unique and I think represents the future of what uh, education after high school honestly is going to look like to a great extent. Oh, right. And this is plugged in. This is a connection between the community and the schools and, you know, people who come in, tap into the talent that we have and use their resources, their time, their their people to invest in that and grow out their workforce just like, just like Forge is doing through this sort of thing. Yeah, and, and the employers, you know, they've got to appreciate having this asset, this resource essentially in their backyard. I just wonder how critical that's been to so much of the success that the link and Joe Max and those folks um, have had and just attract a new industry into the area. Oh, it's, it's a massive piece. I and mean, wherever you go, whether it's Golden Triangle or anywhere throughout the region, you know, the economic development piece, is, the conversation has shifted so much to talent and pipelines and things like that. And, and that's why, honestly, being down here talking about the school accountability model, you know, why would a community foundation care about something like that? Well, the things that we're training our children to do in our schools are going to be the skills that they're going to have when they leave the schools and so you know things like this are just a, a result of communities working together so important so important that uh, they get exposed to this sort of stuff at, at such a young age and uh, and that they uh, learn the skills 
and develop the skills that are going to help them later on in life when they need to be productive adults. That's what it's all about. Right, right. And that's what we look in. So tying in this piece that, that we had this discussion right now, being prepared for, for life after school. Yeah. And so yeah. we've done a deep dive into Mississippi's public school accountability model. Okay. And that's what we were talking about this morning. Mississippi high schools are rated on a 1,000-point scale. Yeah. And looking at it, this is co controlled by the Mississippi Department of Education. 700 of those 1,000 points come from testing. Okay. And so college and career readiness gets 50 points. So only 5% of our current accountability model comes for, from preparing our students for what's next. I got you. And, so, and, and this is a state Department of Education thing that can be shifted just by sure. the board right there. Sure. Um, and so we're hoping that... You're that influencing that. We're then. trying to influence okay. and trying to get that communication out there because that matters. You know, you need to know that. I need to know that. Yeah. And a lot of things that, um, you know, Mississippi Economic Council has been going across the state talking about this and sure. relaying that information. Absolutely. So these students are being prepared today that's for things that they could be later in life outside of just testing requirements. Absolutely. Things that's like that. awesome. Get out of the classroom and expose the, get exposed to the real world. Exactly. And that's what we're doing here today. GT, appreciate you coming on, and thanks for all the great work that the CREATE Foundation does for our state. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Folks, we're out of time here today. We've uh, once again been at the community for the Forge uh, Career Expo. Don't forget skills observed and experienced at the Forge Expo are taught in Mississippi High School and community college career and technical programs. That's why we've been up here. We're out of time today, however. We are back in the Element Well studio at Supertalk headquarters tomorrow up at the uh, Ole Miss for the banking symposium on Friday. Until then, folks, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.